0: is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Mesh Tsunami podcast. Today, we kick off our fifth season with six conversations from episode one, our update from the co-hosts, and a look at some of the patient treatment challenges we'll face this year, particularly connected to the potential approval of Arsmedero. There'll be no vault this week. It will be back next week. This conversation picks up on the importance of provider education as we anticipate approval for the first mesh drug. But while Jorn Schottenberg stressed the importance of educating providers on metabolic disease at the end of our previous conversation, Louise Campbell starts this one, focusing on liver awareness and liver health and broadens her target audience to include other types of physicians and, even more broadly, other classes of providers. She notes that World Cancer Day occurred earlier in the week with data that emphasizes the increasing frequency and lethality of liver cancer all over the world. I entered the conversation to share my concern about the increasing level of advertising from telemedicine and teleconsulting companies in the U.S., promoting their ability to prescribe incretin agonist, flexmaglutide, and terzepatide based on a single phone screen. Jorn and I share the concern that this may lead patients not to conduct in-person visits with physicians who are better equipped to pick up signs of advanced liver disease. All three of us agree this can present a serious challenge and, as Louise notes first. These telemedicine promotion efforts are not connected directly to the drug companies that manufacture the actual agents. After having January wait for the podcast, Jorn, Louise, and I all are happy to be back. This discussion does not go into tremendous depth, but provides a high-level view of how complicated things might get for mazel stakeholders in the year ahead. It's, It's a bit to digest, so just sit back, listen, learn, enjoy. When you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group.
1: Louise Campbell Jean's absolutely right. I would come at it from obviously the other side, whereby it's liver aware and it's liver health. If we just look at within our own speciality and akin, then Jean's absolutely perfectly correct. If we widen that question to should we be, and from Naeem's initial point, if we're doing fibre scans and sending them and they're not the ones who we want, people are going to get concerned. But if we look at steatotic liver disease, pick up those patients with steatotic liver disease and take out the ones with liver disease, that part, then we can improve steatotic liver disease. So the question to me needs to be overall reframed slightly. If we want to assess in health for what is affecting a third of all adults in the globe, and statistically 68.9% of Australian people with type 2 diabetes, not dissimilar around the world, and cardiovascular disease, then that's a different question to pure liver metrics looking for liver disease in liver disease. And that ultimately concentrated population. So it becomes more that liver health issue for me. I would Air on. Uh, I come from the liver health because I want to see the right people, see the specialists like John. I want to see the right people with poor liver health, see endocrinologists, cardiologists a lot earlier. We've seen the figures again this week because it was World Cancer Day on Sunday, whereby liver cancer now makes up in the top five of male cancers. It's just outside the top five of women's cancers. But when we come to mortality, it's in the top five for both. So they are least survivable cancers. And we have a rapid rise around around the globe of Liver cancer. So all physicians are going to be seeing their population develop liver cancer. So we need to be reframing that slightly. Roger
0: Green. I have two thoughts listening to both of you. So I I don't know if this is happening in other markets, okay, other countries, really. And and part of it could be because media that I listen to. uh, Excuse old, because I tend to be a little bit older. You can't turn on a radio station in the states right now without hearing some medical practice advertising that if you come in there, they'll give you a Govi, and here's how much weight you're going to lose. I mean, today, literally, uh, yesterday. Uh, Novo Nordisk announced that they were acquiring Catalint, who is one of their leading producers for Rogovia and Ozampic, and they were bringing them private and bringing them under the control of the Novo Nordisk um, Venture Group, which I assume is to rejigger their production capabilities so they're dedicating more effort to semaglutide. So if patients start to stump, we, we've talked in several occasions in different ways about how GLP-1s confound this whole process. But now, if you're in a place where obese people are coming into doctor's offices, or even worse, call it Teladoc. You can pick up the phone, you can call a doctor, eat 10 questions, and they will prescribe over the mail and they will ship you semaglutide or tirzepatide. I mean.
2: Jörn Schottenberg. This is an approach to treat obesity and I think, you know, it can be valid for some systems. It's driven by the success of the drug, obviously, and the inability to assess uh, physicians maybe physically or the demand of patients to not visit a physician but get some telemedical uh, approach. And I think that's good for companies. But obviously, these patients are not screened for liver disease and their underlying cirrhosis is going to be missed. Now, if you go into catabolic state, you lose a lot of weight, there could be concerns about the safety, in particular in advanced liver disease. Now, not all of these patients do have that, but I have a hard time with this telemedicine approach that seem to be almost a commercial way to do medicine where I would really propagate to assess the patient thoroughly before prescribing the drug, for example. Maybe that's a little bit of a uh, (laughs) European holistic approach. Um, Obviously, uh, all of that costs money and somebody has to raise that money or spend that money, but it's important for us as a field that we come up with a solution to not miss the advanced liver disease cases in that obese population. Not all of them need to see us, but some do have an underlying liver problems. I'd like to get my hands on those.
0: So, So then let me be clear. I'm in complete agreement with what you just said. Okay, my, my concern is that bad money will drive out the good in this, or commercial intent will drive out medical intent in this. So that we'll have people who are obese, and they will get this miracle drug that can just jab in their stomach, and it's amazing that a little, just a little pinprick once a week can do so much. And they'll never deal with a physician who will evaluate their overall health, particularly their liver health, if they're not liver aware. And a lot of the patients will think they don't even need to go to a doctor at that point because they've got to tell a teledoc their obesity. So this is set of issues that concerns me.
1: I think it's more than that though. We do have to state that none of this is operating under a Novo Nordisk license. Most of this is outside and in different markets. When Novo Nordisk are very clear that a lot of this is a non-prescribed way of doing this medication. So it's not a Novo- an backed thing. But we see in the UK, we've had a number of programs since New Year on, It's not physicians, it's non-physicians prescribing or not even prescribing that they can get hold of it. But this isn't just for those with obesity. This is for anybody who wants to go on a weight loss drug. Now that's a different market. When you're slim and you're still using medications, these can be dangerous medications. I said on the podcast before that I would like anybody on these drugs, whether or not it's in endocrinology or anywhere that they're being prescribed, to have basic liver function tests. The fifth, for We know semagnotide does not work in those with cirrhosis. So looking and reveal, revealing that population or fiber scanning them all because we're missing all of that data as well in clinical care, which concerns me. We're treating MASH and Marsald and uh, NAFLD and NASH with these medications, but not assessing the data, which could be added to real worlds. But it's the other populations in the black market that this is driving. And I think you're right. But we get celebrities all of the time. I've personally seen celebrities who get fibro scans to monitor this. So it's a difficult world when a celebrity comes on. And it's all right for Sharon Osborne now to be chirping the other way about how dangerous it can be. But she did use a medication, she's very public in that. But it's difficult. People want access.
0: Yeah, and, and I have some concern, at least in the States, that the free publicity around resbedoralm after it approves will only make this a louder and a little bit more confounding. It's not Madrigal's approach. Madrigal will go after the specialists because they understand that a lot of specialists need to be educated on a lot of stuff, but at least as I understand it. But there will be more PR around this. And I have some concerns about how we as a health system educate people to make sure that they stay on top of it. In different ways, each of you is an extremely responsible and aware treater. But you're not sitting at the end of a phone bank with a computer screen in front of you, uh, asking people what address they want their Rogovi drop to. And I couldn't agree with you more, Louise, it has nothing to do with Novo Nordisk.
2: And now, back to Roger.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded the conversation or send an email to questions at surfingmash.com. We'll be back next week with a stakeholder-centric look at the issues of 2024. Until then, stay safe. Surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.